0: Welcome to Blackness in the Workplace, the podcast. We are on season three, but our mission has never changed. We unapologetically center, promote, build, and support the needs of black professionals both inside and outside the workplace. All day, every day, 365 days of the year. We do this using the big three Cs. Connections, conversations, and collaborations. Why? Because our voices matter, our lives matter, and our experiences matter. I'm your host and founder of Blackness in the Workplace, Jessica. I'm glad you're here. Let's get this show started. Nada Johnson is a registered social worker and psychotherapist at Nada Johnson Consulting and Counseling Services. At her clinical practice, she provides psychotherapy to women coping with racial trauma, anxiety, imposter syndrome, and parenting issues. Nada also provides mental health and sexual violence consulting to organizations, as well as conducting speaking engagements. And she's here with us today. So welcome, Nada. Hi there. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad that you came. You know, came on the show. Thank you for answering the call. Really appreciate it. And, you know, with your background, definitely wanted you on to talk about, you know, your your journey, your your career journey, and in your work with Black mental health. So again, I'm really excited for this conversation. So um, my first question to you is just kind of telling the listeners. You know, what was your career journey going into this field, you know, working with um, doing social work and mental health? You know, why did you choose to go into that field um, as you progress through your career?
1: Yes, for sure. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me on here. um, On here. It's truly a pleasure. Um, One of the main reasons why I chose to open up a clinical practice, it's because having worked previously with, you know, Black youth and Black women um, or women that identify as Black and then youth that identify as Black to use, you know, a a person's, a first person's language, um, it's because I just noticed, you know, having worked in not-for-profit organizations, I realized that a lot of individuals who identify as Black, particularly women and youth, experience mental health challenges particularly related to anti-Black racism. Mm-hmm. And I realized within my role as, you know, as a mental health counselor, as a social worker, and, and in the various roles that have held within nonprofit organizations, that potentially there is a role for me there in, in terms of supporting this particular population with respect to, you know, the racial trauma as it pertains to anti-Black racism that they experience. So having done work with um, in nonprofit organizations related to that, and of course other mental health challenges, I decided to open up my clinical practice to provide um, more assistance with that.
0: Okay. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I really like that you you recognize that there was a problem. When we talk about mental health, especially in the Black community, I know it can be very taboo anyway. Um, it's kind of seen as a sign of weakness if a person is struggling with mental health, whether it's depression or something like bipolar disorder or what have you. But, you know, when we talk about, you know, anti-Black racism and race racial trauma, in your words, what What does that mean? What is some of the um, racial trauma and how do they manifest and impact um, Black people from your experience working with that population?
1: For sure. So racial trauma is really the mental, emotional, social and physical stress that's caused by ongoing racism, racist bias and exposure to racism. You know, that people that are Black or identify as Black experience on an ongoing basis quite frankly, in societies, you know, Western society that devalues their lives simply because they are Black, right? Mm So when you think about it, racial trauma can be seen as a result of repeated experiences of racism and discrimination. Um, And, you know, racial trauma can also occur via you know, a racialized person or a person that is Black that is experiencing microaggressions, right? Yeah. Um, So microaggressions, as you know, it's a form of, it can be nonverbal, it can also be very verbal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right? And behavioral and social way of communicating, quite frankly, by the dominant group, right? So whether Mm -hmm. that's intentionally or not, but it really denotes that hostile derogatory or negative racial insults on individuals that are Black. Um, in terms of like the types of microaggressions that people that identify as Black and experience or often do experience are, you know, micro-insults, micro, insults, micro assault, and micro-invalidation. So micro-insults really relates to any, any form of communication that shows a disrespect, demeanor, and being insensitive and careless towards a person's racial background. Example, the notion that, you know, people that are Black are aggressive, right? That Mm -hmm. is a form of a micro-insult. And a micro-assault really talks about the the explicit, you know, racial demeanors that are usually a result of violent verbal and nonverbal, emotional, mental, physical, and social attack. And the whole purpose, it's meant to to really demean and demoralize a person identifies as Black. In terms of micro-invalidation, it's really that kind of communication that either excludes or makes light of people, you know, um, lived experiences. So for example, like, let's say if, you know, a person that identifies as black, um, says, you know, it's talking about their lived experiences to a non-racialized or non-black identified individual. Um, if that person then says, oh, well, do you think that it's because you're black i think it's something else could it yeah. be this could it be that so coming up with different gas yeah like gaslighting yeah. as a way to justify um what what had happened or even you know when those from um that are non-racialized and and non-black uh, identified individuals say i don't see color like yeah. that in itself it's a in macro invalidation because what you're saying is that you don't see me. So and when you that- say
0: when you say racialized individuals, um, just for clarity for our listeners, what do you mean by that specifically? Racialized individuals.
1: No, thank you for that. So racialized individuals are individuals that identify as non-white. Okay. Right, and even within racialized, that term, there are differences within, you know quote unquote, different races of people, okay. right? So you would have um, individuals that identify as black, individuals that identify as um, really any other background than, than white. So it could be, you know, those that identify as Asians, mm-hmm. um, those that identify as particular forms of particular backgrounds that are not, racial backgrounds that are not white. Because, as you know, white is a racial background. It's just that it's dominant race, if you will.
0: Okay, that makes sense. So, like, here in America, because I know you're in Canada, I guess I want to give that caveat to our listeners here, just (laughs) because there's some differences. Um, So we say people of color, and usually in America, people of color is just kind of like anybody who isn't white, whether they're Asian, Latino, Black, Native American, it didn't really matter, anybody who's not white. And that can be extremely broad, it is a very broad Mm -hmm. label that we give people that really doesn't do anything other than just to segregate out folks. And, and, you know, with that. So yeah, definitely. Thank you for clarifying that for people. So in terms of like, you know, always tell people anti-blackness is everywhere unfortunately it is global and manifests in a lot of different ways um you know i actually just recently watched an interview of black people who live in korea and you know they talked about how their experiences in korea dealing with race is different than it is in the united states in the west but that still is something that they're dealing with so um and Anti-blackness does have a lot of implications, obviously, on our mental and physical health. Um, twenty twenty was a great slash terrible example of that um, here in America with the death of George Floyd, the Black Lives Matter protests, um, even recently with the, um, you know, with a lot of this white um, white ring, you know, insurrectionist that has been happening. So mm-hmm. in your practice. know we're identifying these microaggressions and these traumas but how are you helping your clients manage or overcome um these issues in order to be successful when it comes to their mental health
1: no certainly and and i do agree with you that you know racial trauma is systemic right yeah um in the sense that because of racism it's only I don't want to use the word natural, but it would make sense that if racism continues to occur on a systemic individual and communal level, that racial trauma is more likely to be experienced by individuals that are racialized or black. Um, And I think how I, you know, help my clients in in dealing with anti-black racism, quite frankly, it depends on the client and mm-hmm. their particular circumstances. Right. Yeah. So their particular experiences of racial trauma, cause no one racial trauma experience is the same.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I develop, you know, a one-on-one treatment plan with them to support them in navigating that process towards healing. So having said that, I mean, there are generally speaking, um, healthy coping skills that can be used by, you know, individuals that are black with the inclusion of mindfulness practices. So for example, you know, for somebody who has experienced racial trauma, it's important to find a community to engage in safe spaces with and safe conversations. So for example, you know, I'm sure you've heard of the whole notion of finding your tribe. Yeah. Right. So finding, individuals um within particular communities or from your own community that you can safely talk about anti-black racism and really the intersectional violence that results um as a result of anti-black racism and of discrimination as a whole Um, so yeah just having a community to talk about these issues to to and having someone to kind of witness and the emotions that are coming as a result of that and helping you you know, on a informal level, if you will, to, to talk through it. And in many ways coming up with strategies as a community to cope with it. Right. Um, of course, you know, there is that other um, angle of seeking a therapist where, you know, individuals that are black are able to connect and, and go through professional counseling and psychotherapy to receive the assistance, um, with respect to, um, anti-Black racism. The other thing I was going to say, too, is it's really important when, you know, individuals um, that are Black identified are experiencing anti-Black racism, which then, you know, necessitate or or kind of um, leads to racial trauma, if you will, it's to create an ongoing healing plan. That's really crucial. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you know, I'm a believer in that, when, because racism is ongoing and, and it's unless racism itself ends, right. Mm -hmm. Um, by collective, you know, hard work from, from all of us, particularly the dominant group, um, it's important that, you know, individuals that are black identified, create an ongoing healing plan, which really your healing plan could include things like strategies on, okay, If you experience racism again, how are you going to deal with that? What are some of the strategies and healthy coping um, skills that you incorporate within that? Who are you going to talk to when you experienced it, you know, and then also listening to your body, what is your body saying to you when you have experienced that and post the experience of that particular circumstance with respect to anti-black racism, right? So coming up with strategies to respond emotionally, socially and mentally and physically, to really the violence of um, racism and anti-black racism. right? Mm -hmm. Um, One of the other things too is creating alone time, really connecting with yourself and understanding and reflecting on who you are, what you stand for, your cultural values and beliefs, and and how they ground you in who you are. The other thing I wanted to say, attached to that, It's the importance of, you know, individuals that are, that are black identified, that they have, if they don't have it yet, look at creating a stable racial identity, you know, Mm because if you are stabilized in your racial identity, so let's say, for example, if you are a firm believer that I am black, and this is what black means to me, this is how I understand blackness, and my blackness is not defined by, you know, societal stigma, stereotypes and assumptions of who I am, right? Um, because that that definition or those definitions rather of Blackness are negative. Right. Um, so I would say, yeah. and And then of course, things like, you know, cooking and eating nutritious food on a consistent basis. And quite frankly, having a mental rest, you know, because I think sometimes, you know, as Black identified individuals, there is at times the need for, you know, a mental fight back. It may not necessarily mental fight back as in trying to come up with a solution right away to deal with the anti-Black racism that you've experienced. But sometimes your body goes, your body may become numb, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or or you may feel like, whoa, I, I, like I'm not really sure how to respond to this. And that's okay, right? It's yeah. okay to take a step back and analyze, okay, this happened to me. I wasn't necessarily sure how to respond to it. So what am I going to do for future when I experience certain situations that I would be able to handle it? But that's something that you can think of as, you know, as the days progress, and it's not necessarily an answer that you have to come up with right away, because that in itself can create stressors, which adds to the racial trauma. So the race-based stress that you're, that you're already experiencing.
0: So, I mean, all of these suggestions that you're giving are great. I mean, it really roots back to, again, building that community. And that's something that I personally had to go and do when I was dealing with a lot of trauma related to just my career, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had to say, okay, I'm the only black woman oftentimes in these spaces. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm you know, there's really no one in my personal life who really can relate to me with Mm -hmm. where I'm at. So where do I go? And so the internet, and I always say this, like social media has been a blessing and a curse, but it's been a really big blessing in the fact that Mm -hmm. there are online communities now that didn't exist when I was first coming up, but they Mm -hmm. do exist. And so having a strong network now really allowed me to be more rooted in my identity first, obviously as a Mm -hmm. black woman, and then taking my, you know, myself as a black professional and really being centered and being sure of myself and of course i mean now i do see a therapist and i do really appreciate you know that aspect but also understand too that having a therapist Mm -hmm. is something that's really privileged a lot of people can't or they don't you know they have they don't have the resources to be able to do it but a lot of the suggestions that you put out there are still things that you can do Mm -hmm. without necessarily having a lot of money um Mm -hmm. to do it it's really having that community so um For you personally, how do you go about practicing self-care and, you know, you being the Black woman, you know, you live in Canada, but, you know, (laughs) you know, you still gotta, you still gotta um, do you and you still, you know, racism is everywhere. So how do you practice um, self-care?
1: No, thank you for that. And you know what? Those are really great points that you mentioned. I think for me, it's important to realize that I'm a person first, Mm -hmm. right? I'm a human being first, and then I am Black. Right, right. Right. And then right. I'm a woman. Right. And then I am, you know, all the other categories that I may place myself in. So it's recognizing that I'm a human being first. And what are my needs as a human being when I have experienced racial trauma? How do I respond to it as a person? Mm-hmm. So that's one. And then number two, how do I respond to it? Not react, but respond to it as a Black person. And hence, yep. I think it's important for me. To consistently review my understanding of what my racial identity means to me, right? right. And, and quite frankly, once the stabilization of, you know, let me speak for myself, my racial identity is really important because once you know who you are as a person, right, person first, mm-hmm. you can then look at, okay, who am I as a Black person and, and how, what do I believe in? What, what, what are my values and beliefs? What, what, how do I understand myself? Right. And Mm -hmm. I think me keeping that in mind really helps me when I am experiencing racial trauma, because obviously, you know, I'm not immune to it um, as a result of the color of my skin. Right. Yeah. Um, And the other thing that I do is, you know, I journal quite a bit. I, 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 you know, I um, conduct a stress journal, if you will. I, I, um, I write a lot about, so the stress journal really helps me identify the, the regular stressors that are happening in my life in general, um, you know, as they're happening, just to keep track of it, and then to see if I see a pattern and common themes and then write it down. And then afterwards, I ask myself, what caused me stress, right? If it's racism, right? Right. If that's the cause of my stress, how does that make me feel? how does the fact that I've been discriminated against or experienced these microaggressions, how does it make me feel physically, emotionally, mentally, and socially? And how do I re- respond to it? And if I did in any way respond to it right away, was that a response that I wanted to, to provide or not, mm-hmm. right? And it's just that self-reflection, really. And yeah. also, what, what will I do next time when I experience that, right? So mm-hmm. that I can protect my own mental health, and my own well-being. Yeah, protect your peace. Exactly, Exactly, to protect your peace so that you're not falling into the stereotype of what it means to be, you know, quote unquote, a black woman or an angry black woman or whatever else are the negative, you know, stereotypes out there of individuals that identify as black. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I really like how you broke it down. You know, we are all human beings, first and foremost, race is a social construct. So it's important to really reiterate that we're all people, we have the right to our feelings, we have the right to, um, you know, respond to those things, obviously, in a responsible way. And then, you know, you have the right to protect your peace. And I know for me, when things happen, I mean, I have, I'm, I'm fortified to the point where when things happen I don't allow them to take anything away from me like my mother used to say don't let the devil steal your joy and that's kind of mm-hmm. always my philosophy is like I'm not gonna let you you're not gonna bring me down to your level mm-hmm. so I mean and that takes years to kind of get there you know and there's been times where people have really upset me and I'm like, I want to cuss this person out so bad but then I think about okay, What are the long-term consequences to myself? What does this make me look like? You know, sometimes people wait for you to do stuff like that so that they can Mm -hmm. validate their stereotypes of you already. Mm -hmm. And so you have to say, you know, I'm not going to scoop to another level. You know, Michelle Obama, um, she said, if you, what? oh my God, what did she say? When they go low, you go high. Yes. It's hard. It is hard. Sometimes you want to get low (laughs) to the ground. You want to get dirty, but you just got to remember that if you stay on the high ground or and, I, and yeah. I swear this is true if you stay on the moral high ground and just keep your peace and keep who you are mm-hmm. oftentimes things will work out in your favor may not happen right away yeah I mean you may yeah. you may go home and cry and be frustrated but in the mm-hmm. long term things will
1: mm-hmm. work out
0: so mm-hmm. it is very much about protecting that peace and just mm-hmm. saying you know this is where I'm at right now in my life and I'm not gonna let you um, take me back to where I used to be because I'm not that person no more. I'm not going to go there with you. Um, but exactly.
1: It's and it's also, <laughs> it's, it is, it's really tough. And I totally agree with you. And just to add to your point, it also lets that other party who is non-racialized or non-Black see that, they maybe the stereotype that I have of people who are of the skin color of this culture and or racial background, maybe it's untrue, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're not giving them what is perceived to be true. Right. Right. And I think that's an equal, um, that's something that, you know, in many ways can be taken into consideration too, right? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it does. I mean, I mean, I had a situation that happened to me. um, This was at uh, one of my former employers. And I talk about this off and on where she, she and I, I didn't really care for her. She was the HR manager. And there was a lot of micro, I mean, I think we say microaggressions. I always believe there's nothing micro about an aggression, but she was, I mean, it was a lot that she was doing. And then finally, she put me on a PIP, which is like a performance improvement plan. And it was complete BS. It didn't make any sense. She couldn't even justify it. And so I went... And I reported it because I wanted someone to talk to and the person that I reported to mishandled it to make a long story short. She came into my office and she essentially threatened me. She was like, you know, you're trying to start trouble. Um, If you want to go there, we'll go there. I mean, like she was really angry and at the whole time I sat there and there was a part of me that really just wanted to like cuss her out. But I, I had matured to the point where I just like, look, you're not going to I'm you're not going to steal my peace. This is mm-hmm. what I'm looking for and it really deflated her because mm-hmm. I didn't give her what she wanted. She wanted me to snap so she can have a reason to fire me right then and there. And I, that same night I gave her my notice. So when you keep your peace and you are able to have, you know, a clear head and you move on strategy and not emotion, um, it really Benefits you in the end too when it comes to dealing with these this racism and these microaggressions because otherwise you'll be fighting all the time you know what I mean like exactly always. and you know
1: what you're taking your power back yeah you're, you're taking, your power, taking back. your power back and you're saying I have integrity I respect and love myself for who I am and for what I am and for what I stand for and I'm not going to be okay with with allowing you Um, in many ways, to demean me to the Mm -hmm. point where you want me to fall into the stereotype that fits into your worldview of how I am supposed to be or act, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really important to take the power back and realize that you do have strength, you do have power. Because think about it, if if you weren't considered a threat, why would they even bother? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and quite frankly, the fact that you're considered a threat and individuals may go out of their way to emotionally harm you, that should really tell you how good you are.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and I think that's important to keep in mind, especially for us, you know, as black identified individuals, you know, to remember that we are power. We absolutely are power and we are capable of, you know, being ourselves, making something of us. I'm not necessarily speaking about career-wise, but emotionally-wise, yeah. right? And, and staying, you know, mentally resilient, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we're capable of doing that. Now, mind you, even if at times you don't feel mentally resilient, that doesn't mean you're not, mm-hmm. right? Because there's a difference between how we feel depending on situations that have happened right there and then, versus who we truly are on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. So hence, you know, things like journaling and keeping track of who you are and spending some time by yourself to really revisit. I would say, you know, every couple of weeks for for us to spend some time by ourselves so that we can revisit who we are and come back to really come back home to us, you know, to ourselves, right? To the core of who we are. And, Mm -hmm. and that requires a lot of introspection, um, if we're, you know, and, and sometimes to your point, um, if individuals want to seek out, you know, therapy for that, it's totally possible, but for those that can't afford it, you know, there is the concept of healing circles where you can create your own understanding of what a healing circle is and how you would heal in those circles with trusted individuals who have experienced similar. Right, but the key is you have to be able to trust and feel comfortable with them in order to start a healing circle in the first place.
0: Yeah, definitely. And them healing circles be on point. I mean, you know, you you find the right people who are interested in cultivating and supporting you and uplifting you. Mm-hmm. Um, they it can really make a difference. I know. Again, for me, that was something that when I found it, it just became nurturing. And now, you know, I'm someone that you know brings that healing to other people and try to do my best to, you know, support like my, my ideal of healing people is really educating people, giving people access to resources and information, things that I didn't have when I was coming along that mm-hmm. I really had to learn and find a hard way. And my way is saying, you know, if I can turn around and make this easier for someone else who is in these same situations, then I feel like I've done my part. Mm-hmm. And to kind of go back to what you were talking about, you know, being a human being and then and how identifying your Blackness, I think that goes to, point out that there's not one way to be black too. I think that's really important to say because black people are individuals. We're not a monolith. And so when you talk about, you know, what does being black mean to me, that can mean something to, you know, whoever you talk to, you know, Mm -hmm. everyone's different. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's also really important because, you Mm -hmm. know, people, even other black people have this, this idea that, you know, sometimes we're all kind of the same and it's like, no, everyone path and journey is different. And we have to respect that, and allow people to be who they are instead of who we think they should be too. Exactly. And I
1: think, thank you for that. And just to add to it, you know, black identified individuals, like we come from different communities, even though we do, you know, are coined under the term black. Different right? cultures too, yeah. Yeah, different communities, different cultures, and quite frankly, different nationalities too. Yes, yes, right? yep. And 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 you know, they're and quite frankly. You know what I find is, even though we're considered black people, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the differences, some of us may not even view ourselves within that category of black. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah. So that's why I, that's why I was saying, like, figure out, you know, what is your racial identity? What does that mean to you? It may not even be black, period. It may be something else. Or what is your cultural identity, right? Because yeah. when you figure out what your cultural, racial identity is, then you're able to have a full understanding of what Blackness means to you. Because at the end of the day, the term Black, it's the label that has been put on us, you know, for yeah. negative purposes. So if mm-hmm. we're going to reclaim it, it's important to examine, well, what communities do I belong to, right? Yeah. What, what, what social groups do I belong to? What, you know... What does, what does like, if I come from a particular culture, what culture is that? How do I understand it? What does it mean for me? How can I be rooted in more into that cultural values? Right. And yeah. how does that intersect with this whole notion of blackness? I think that's important to, to really mm-hmm. dissect and fully understand because if, if, you know, if individuals don't go through that process of self discovery, um, it becomes really difficult when racial tr- uh, discrimination is experienced to to really form and continue to have healthy coping habits right mm-hmm. um, in order to deal with 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 you know with the discrimination and quite frankly the race-based stress that follows right yeah. um, when you don't have you know a stable racial identity you know um, one of the biggest challenges is that, when you know race-based stress incidents occur you then end up taking or adopting maladaptive coping habits to deal with it which are not beneficial for you right right and quite frankly they may not be beneficial for yourself if you have families for your families because that means that you might bring home whatever that trauma is and manifest it outward Right.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, definitely. Knowing who you are goes a long way. I, you know, I was talking to um, um, another uh, a mental health professional, a black man, and he was talking about, you know, in in regards to like dealing with the outside world. It said, "Hey, look, you have to go out there. You have to work. You have to interact with people. You you know, you have to live life, but you don't have to internalize or take home any of the." the crap that people give you, you know, you can really just, as long as you're fortified with who you are and know what you know what you stand for, a lot of these things, it, it creates a shield, it creates a barrier, and it's not something that you have to deal with. I mean, there's things that have happened to me in mm-hmm. my career that the old Jessica would have internalized and would have, you know, stressed me out, it would have made me upset, but now I'm just like, you know, I leave it at work or I just don't worry about it or just even, in, not even just career stuff, just in, in life general, you know, you go out into the world and you deal with stuff and you just realize, hey, look, I, I know who I am and I'm comfortable with that identity and, you know, I can, I can move forward and, and, and be successful. So I think a lot of that is, um, you know, that comes with time, you know, some people aren't there yet and some people don't know how, but I really think the first step is finding that community that can pour into you and support you and being intentional about, um, finding help and being a part of those healing circles, as you call them.
1: Exactly. And, and the other thing too, is that it's okay to experience the feeling of hurt, right. Mm -hmm. Of pain that comes as a result of, you know, racial trauma as a result of discrimination, as a result of, you know, discriminatory practices that you experience. It's okay to feel it, right? Because mm-hmm. part of, I think it's important for us to realize that just because we feel something doesn't mean that we're weak. Yeah. Right? It, it really often through feeling something, we become stronger and more resilient because we have allowed ourselves to feel the feeling that comes with, you know, really experiencing you know discrimination it allows us to really fully understand that okay so this is what i've experienced this is how i felt about it and you may even feel disappointment right you may even feel disappointment that somebody you know whether it's within uh, that you brought within your own community that you brought within your life who is non-racialized or non-black that you thought okay this person is an ally this person gets it but you know what there may be certain actions or behaviors that that person does that really is discriminatory right and that then enacts um you know the experience of racial trauma on you right Mm -hmm. and as you know racial trauma is something that's ongoing race-based stress it's an ongoing issue it's not where you you know at some point experience post-traumatic growth right Mm -hmm. it's more of a matter of learning how to deal with you know when discriminatory practices and actions are enacted against you right so I think you know the, the message I would say is it's important to feel the hurt the frustration the you know quite frankly the grief of anybody having the capacity to even discriminate against you mm-hmm. right purely based on the color of your skin and or negative stereotypes and assumptions that are enacted on an individual, communal, and systemic level to devalue you, right? And I think the key to realize, too, it's not you as a person that's being devalued. It's their perception of who you stand for based on the color of your skin or, you know, the perception of what your Blackness means to them, right? So I think that's the key to understand because sometimes, you know, when racism occurs, you know, I sometimes find individuals saying, you know, um, they have something against me,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, they did that because I'm black. They did this because there's something that, that they just don't like me. No, it's not that they don't like you as a person. It's more again of their own kind of, you know, heaviness that they're bringing to the table. And they're trying to create that as a form of aligning with you. And so the thing is, if you accept their heaviness, the burden that they carry with them. And if you say, yes, it's true. I am black and I am no good. I am not worthy. I'm not going anywhere. or you know what? All the stereotypes and assumptions and I'm aggressive. I'm loud. I'm violent. It's right. Then what you're saying is I accept your heaviness. Yeah. I accept your heaviness and I accept your criticism of what you perceive of me,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: But if you, A, allow yourself to say, no, I'm putting a full stop to this, I understand who I am, right? Mm-hmm. That's one that in many ways, you know, you have sort of are in the process or have created a stable, you know, racial identity for yourself, right? right. And then B, if you say, if your other responses you know what? Um, yeah, this is this is not okay. I'm not fine with this. But yet I feel pain, right? You may mm-hmm. not verbalize it, but through mm-hmm. your demeanor, folks will see that you feel the pain and the heaviness of their words. It doesn't mean it's okay to feel the pain. Because remember, we're human being first before we became black, yeah. right?
0: Definitely. So Definitely. it's okay
1: to feel the pain, just process it, And, and, and allow yourself to really think about what it meant for you, as opposed to saying, well, I'm a strong black person, I can handle this, I can cope with this, and I will, I will just continue shrug it off and go on my day. Well, Mm -hmm. you may consciously shrug it off, but subconsciously, it may still very well be in your mind. And when another incident occurs, if you have a doubt with the first incidents, or first couple of incidents, you just shrug it off. The concern becomes that at one point you may simply blow up. Yep. <laughs> you want to blow up, mm-hmm. but because you haven't processed what has happened to you and you've just been shrugging it off. Shrugging it off is really saying, I'm afraid to touch this right now. I'm afraid really to come to terms with my own feelings of what just happened or what is happening. So really it's about letting go of that fear is easier said than done and coming to terms with what's being said and how it has affected you and creating a plan a healing plan to move forward so you can create that plan on your own you can create it with a therapist you Mm -hmm. can create it with you know it could be you know your circle it could be any kind of your your tribe your community you can create that right yeah Um, and, and 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 just sort of following that. And mind you, the plan can be revised at any point in time. The plan is not static. Because yeah. at some point, different things as you move up in your life, different things will start to occur and you need to revise the plan.
0: Right. Yeah. As they happen. Yeah. Nothing, nothing is set in stone. I mean, so I mean, like I said, I like I like all the things that you're dropping. Um, again, for our listeners, um, definitely you want to feel what you feel and you have the right to your feelings for sure. Um, you want to make sure that you're acting on strategy, not emotion, but if you don't handle your feelings and not really recognizing, okay, this is how it made me feel and managing it. Like Nada said, you <laughs> You're gonna blow up, and it's gonna get ugly. And I've been there where I was handling, I was internalizing a lot of things, and I wasn't doing my job in handling my feelings. You know, we can black people in general kind of subscribe to this. I'm strong, and a lot of that is resiliency that has been built into our culture based on you know dealing with anti-black racism throughout our whole life, generational traumas that have been passed down. And so for me, it was very much like that where I was like, yeah, you know, I can brush it off, brush it off, and I really wasn't brushing it off. I was internalizing Realizing it was becoming a problem, I hadn't handled it. And then a situation happened, and next thing you know, I found myself just really unable to control myself. I was so mad, I was so heated. And when you cannot control your emotions, other people will control them for you. So you never want to lose control of yourself. So you definitely want to make sure you're handling um, the things that are happening to you, whether it's talking it out, creating a journal, um, you know, exercising, whatever it is that helps you manage your emotions. Don't do what I did. I was doing a lot of stress eating. So, Mm -hmm. you know, handle it in a healthy way before Mm -hmm. it handles you and you find yourself on the other end of being terminated or getting arrested, or being on YouTube for all the wrong reasons. I mean, just, you know, just examples, just just handle yourself because you do not want to give that power to someone else because they're not going to they're going to handle it in a way that's not going to benefit you.
1: Exactly. And the other thing that I wanted to say, too, is when not handled appropriately, that trauma or race-based stress that you experience, you come to internalize it, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where the internalization of racism and discrimination comes in. And if if you're not careful, you end up committing, you know, lateral violence. So in other words, the way, you know, non racialized or black people have treated you as a result of racism, you then start to treat other, you know, racialized or black identified individuals that way. Right. Yeah. Again, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily because you want to, it could be directly or indirectly, but it can be because you haven't solved or processed yep. what had happened Your to you, trauma. Right. Definitely. So you then kind of transfer, the traumatic experiences over to somebody else. It may not show up as the same experience. It may show up in other ways, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really important to keep track that, you know, process it so you don't inflict emotional harm and potentially even physical harm on somebody else,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Okay. And particularly somebody who, well, on anybody, quite frankly. But, you know, with lateral violence, it, it, it's usually... Can be towards individuals who to identify in the same racial category or cultural or social category um, as you do, or any kind of identifying similar identifying markers. Exactly,
0: exactly. So manage your emotions; don't let them manage you. So, um, you know, Nada, this has been a really great conversation. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing um, this information, dropping a lot of gems all throughout this episode. So where can people find you and connect with you if they're interested in doing that?
1: Absolutely. So um, if anyone is interested in connecting with me, I'm on LinkedIn. So just put in Nada Johnson. You will see me on there. Um, I'm happy to connect and continue the conversation. You can send me an email. You can send me an email at info at So it's info at my first and last um, you can also check out uh, my website. Granted, it's not up yet. It will, it's currently being revised. It mm-hmm. will be up um, soon. And that is um, so nada Okay. So services.com, which, um, you, you know, which my um, clinical practice website. Um, yeah, that is my clinical practice website.
0: Okay. All right, then. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing this information and also sharing where folks can connect with you. Really appreciate you coming on and, and, and really p- pouring knowledge into our listeners.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jessica, for inviting me. And it's been a really great conversation. And I hope it's been, as you mentioned, helpful to to your listeners for sure.
0: All right. Thank you. No problem. That's a wrap. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We sure did. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or even suggestions, please go to our website at www.blacknessintheworkplace.com and let us know. Otherwise, you can follow us on our social media pages. We are on Twitter at Ann Blackness. We are on Facebook, Instagram, as well as LinkedIn. Just go to our website to learn more. See you next episode.